Hi, I'm Catherine. I'm Gail, and welcome to Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please visit womenover70.com and consider joining Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, so we may continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, courage, and creativity. Members enjoy monthly program programming and probing discussions. We hope to see you there. Today, we're delighted to have with us Connie Zweig as an advocate for women aging. Connie's a retired therapist who's been doing contemplative practices for more than 50 years. Notably, she's a writer who's known as the shadow expert for examining the shadow from various perspectives. Her first book, Meeting the Shadow, is an anthology of expert views about the shadow in religion, politics, creativity, and more. Romancing the Shadow, her second book, focuses on relationships. And the third, Meeting the Shadow on the Spiritual Path, explores why we're drawn to charismatic teachers and why they often act out their shadows. <laughs> Connie's 2021 award-winning book, The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul, extends her work on the shadow into midlife and beyond and explores aging as a spiritual practice. So in our conversation today, Connie's going to focus on the concept of the inner ageist, inner ageism, and she'll help us understand the inner ageist that lives within most of us, how it affects us, and how we can move beyond limiting beliefs to empower our ongoing development. So Connie, welcome to Women Over 70. Thank you. Thank you both for having me. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you. You know, let's let's set the context, have you set the context for us, talk about so the essence of your work, like what is the shadow? Ah, what is the shadow? So the shadow is that part of all of us, every human being, um, that we don't want to look at, that's a blind spot, that is unacceptable or that was forbidden in our childhood, that feels taboo or shameful to us. And so it could be a feeling or a behavior or a trait or even a talent. And so when we were little, we just got the message that if we acted on that, let's say as girls, if we expressed our anger, um, that's not what little girls do go to your room. And so we learned that that feeling wasn't really going to bring us love and approval. It was going to bring us disapproval and punishment and maybe even abandonment. And so we learned that, that our anger is not okay. Um, it could be our sexual feelings or our grief. It could be um, an aptitude, maybe uh, Academic performance is really emphasized in the family, and musical or artistic talent is seen as a waste of time. And so those gifts get buried in the shadow, and they're not lived out, perhaps, for many years. So anything at all can be buried in this closet that Carl Jung called the shadow. He, he used that term because it's not in the light of awareness. And so it's in a dark spot. And we know today with so much body-mind research that it's not just in a corner of the mind. It's in the body. It's in our muscles. It's in the whole mind-body 
system that we inhabit. And, um, and there are moments for each of us when some part of the shadow might erupt. So let's say um, we meet someone and we fall in love and they seem, you know, safe and easy to be with. And suddenly they go into a rage. So what is that about? That part of them that is so angry had been buried. It was not acceptable to the persona. And so they didn't live like an angry person, but something happened that caused that shadow, that energy that had built up inside to erupt. Um, we might see the shadow in addiction, in moods like depression. We also see the shadow in projection when we unconsciously attribute to other people something we don't want to see in ourselves. You know, we don't want to recognize that sometimes we're lazy. And so we call a woman a lazy couch potato and we put it outside of ourselves onto her so that we feel more comfortable with our self-image. And so when we begin to recognize projections, when we begin to recognize that we're not actually seeing people for who they are, but we're attributing certain traits or qualities to them that we're denying in ourselves, this is a huge developmental step. And we're also doing this collectively. So when we're enemy making in the political and social sphere, there's a lot of projection that goes on collectively. You know, we are Americans, we are democratic, we are this, we are that, and those people are not. And whether it's those gay people or those immigrants or those Christians or those non-Christians, we are then, our projection becomes stereotyping. And I think, you know, what we are gathered here to talk about is how that happens around age. So when our individual ageism becomes collective ageism and it gets institutionalized and the whole society is behaving in ageist ways and then there are stereotypes projected onto older adults and millions of people living in these stereotypes and not being seen as individuals. This is shadow projection. So let's let's talk about that. Well, I don't want to. I want to ask first about you were. You've been a therapist for many many years, and has when did when did the shadow become such a, a key part of your awareness in your work? Um, I started meditating when I was very young. And after about 10 years, I left the meditation community because I was very discouraged with hypocritical behavior that I saw. And I decided, I recognized that I had buried parts of myself in order to fit into this community and belong, which is what a lot of people do when we need belonging. And um, and so I decided to go into, to, first I started studying Carl Jung and depth psychology, and then I decided to go into Jungian analysis. 
And I had some dreams that were about my own shadow material. And I began to learn about what I had banished into the darkness in order to survive in my family in early childhood, and then in college, and then in this spiritual community. And I wanted to kind of reclaim my full range of authentic feelings and thoughts and possible behaviors. And um, so I was very excited when I kind of discovered Jung's work. It wouldn't be until several decades later that I would go to graduate school and become a Jungian oriented therapist. I had a few careers before that. But I stayed with the with studying the material and came out with Meeting the Shadow, which is an anthology, a collection of writings about this topic that really struck a chord with people. And then Romancing the Shadow, when I really developed the method for what that we call shadow work um, to help people get through relationships, you know. People always tell me they have the same repeating fights with their partners. And this is all about the shadow. So um, it just kind of stuck with me, Catherine. And it wasn't so much that it was intentional. It was just that I was kind of following what was showing up and following my passion. And that's how it unfolded. It's fascinating. You know, I was, uh, when we talked before, I so um taken with your 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 book the whole book but what i really got my attention was this chapter that you called meeting ageism from the inside out and the outside in and um if you could just uh describe tell us about that about this inner ageism and inner ages and what that's about and what it what um, what it does to us okay so um one day I was in my probably my 50s or early 60s and I was sitting in a restaurant. Oh, it must have been early 60s. I was sitting in a restaurant and um, a very old woman came in and she was very dirty. She had tattered clothes on. It was clear that she was poor. She was ordering free samples of food. Um, she sat next to me and I'm very um, trained to attune to my thoughts and feelings from doing shadow work for so long. So I started to notice what I was saying to myself. Oh, she doesn't belong here. She's really old and she's really dirty. Maybe she's homeless. And um, I'll never be like that. I'll never be so poor. I'll never be on the street. I feel sorry for her. And as I was tuned into myself, I became really ashamed of that internal dialogue because it was othering her. It was not compassionate. And I began to recognize that there was a part of me that I was not aware of that was ageist. And I had been in Berkeley in the 70s, you know, where we fought against all the isms. And here I was, I had never examined my own ageism. And so with my method of shadow work, I what I did was I took those internal 
that internal dialogue, what I was saying to myself, and the feelings that went with it, and the sensations in my body in that moment. And I formed those three cues or three dimensions into an internal character it's, that I call a shadow figure. And I gave it the name of the bag lady. And I began to research and read, explore about this. And I actually found that there was a study in 2016 of women in the US and a huge percentage of women had an internal bag lady, a part of them that feared becoming homeless and poor and alone on the street. And this is regardless of their income and their status. They feared that for their future. And I recognized this was archetypal. This is a universal internal image that women were carrying. And so a few years later, when I started to write The Inner Work of Age, I wanted to explore the, the shadow characters that come up around our aging. So the book has many of them, but the chapter on the inner ageist is about how we, what is the source of that? How does that happen? How do we internalize social institutional ageism and actually um, aim it against ourselves? And what I came to understand was that I, I thought I kind of traced it back in my own childhood. This is how we do shadow work. And I remembered comments by my father about older neighbors that were pejorative comments. And I remembered comments by my mother about her mother. They didn't like each other. And as my grandmother aged, you know, the things my mother would say. I remembered TV shows that I watched growing up. Um, and maybe both of you remember what they were like in those days. Remember Archie Bunker on All in the Family and the way he treated Edith. There were a lot of examples in the media and there still are in which older women are dismissed, um, treated with contempt, criticized, focus on appearance and so on. So I began to realize that I was swimming in this ageist pool in our culture. And I had no model of a healthy elder in my, in my personal world. Many people have, you know, grandparents, aunts and uncles who can provide a model of really aging gracefully. I didn't have that. So, and that can be an antidote to the ageism for some people. So. I worked on this myself as, as my own inner ageist, and I explored how it affected me. And I really came to recognize how much fear I had about growing older because of this. And then I found research um, by psychologist Becca Levy at Yale University. You may know her work. And she has studied internalized ageism over many, many decades now. And over the long term, she does long term studies with people over decades. So she has found that what I call the inner ageist, that's she calls it, um, I think, what does she call it? A stereotype, or she has a different language for it. But in my language of the shadow work, it's inner ageist. And what she found is that this part of us, 
affects our cardiac health and puts stress on the heart, affects our memory. Negative stereotypes have an impact on memory, affects our longevity. People who have positive internal images and beliefs about aging live seven and a half years longer. Um, affects our will to live as we age through the lifespan. And so I realized that the whole mind-body is being affected by this shadow character that I'm calling the inner ageist, as well as things like our confidence as we age, our sense of beauty, our sense of um, agency, our sense of capacity. You know, if we're shooting that negative projection at ourselves and we're saying, there's only decline from here, then we're incapacitating ourselves. And I had many people in my private practice, women who were talking to me about hating their bodies as they aged. And it was painful to listen to. So I, so this is what happened out of that personal experience and attuning to myself and recognizing that there was something universal in my own experience. Um, and then following the research about it, I came to understand the inner ageist. And that's, I think it's chapter three in the book mm -hmm. about how to detect it in yourself, how to work with it, how to begin to um, change direction internally so that you have more positive feelings about growing older because today it's full of possibilities the new longevity just makes you know so much more possible yeah mm. so so what can we do ourselves connie how how can we approach this and and identify I mean, you've talked a lot about it already, but but how how can I be sure that I actually have an inner ageist within me? How can you be sure that you do have it? Or so don't. what you really want to do is be sure that you don't eventually, but but first to detect it. Um, so you know, my method is slow down and begin to attune to yourself. Because we're all speeding away in our doing, right? We're all, everybody's about productivity. And okay, so slow down, take a few breaths and begin to notice what are you saying to yourself when you see an older person or visit someone or with a family member or um, see someone on the street? What are you saying to yourself? What are you feeling? What feelings are coming up as you're taking a walk and you see someone maybe who has a walker mm -hmm. or you're driving and you see someone who's driving really slowly? What are the thoughts? What are the feelings? And what are the physical sensations? Because we all attune to ourselves differently. Some people are really auditory and they hear their words. Some are more feeling types. And that, and they just tune into the feeling. And some are very body centered. So you might notice what's happening in your gut and your solar plexus or your shoulders or your, you know, your neck. What are the sensations? And so when you have those three dimensions, you'll notice that every time this shadow character comes up, 
you have the same thoughts, feelings, and sensations. They're repeating for each shadow character. And so you begin to recognize when it comes up, and then you can personify it. So what does that mean? It means give it an image, give it a name. So mine is the bag lady, but you could call it anything that fits for you. What does it look like? What does it sound like? And you can trace it back into your history, as I described. See, where, it, where was it born? Who influenced it? Who shaped this part of you? And, you know, until this moment, it's been unconscious. So what we're doing is we're bringing it out into the light of awareness. And as we shed light on it, we can begin to have a conscious relationship with material that was previously unconscious which is actually really exciting because it gives us more choice. We're not on autopilot, just following that unconscious voice or impulse. We actually have choice. Oh my God, here's the inner ageist. What do I wanna do differently in this moment? What do I wanna say to this person or feel differently in this moment? And what are the consequences if I don't? What are the consequences if I, um, if I am driving behind an older person who's driving really slowly and I say to myself, oh, he's over the hill or it's an old geezer, right? Some stereotype pejorative comment that people use all the time. Then what are the consequences of that? So, and I don't just mean honking your horn and disturbing that person. What are the consequences for you? in your own body mind as you age through the lifespan and become an older person. Cause we all do, if we're lucky, we all do, right? I remember saying to myself, um, you know, um, people are old when they're 30. People are old when they're 40. People are old when they're 50. Oh my God, now I'm one of them, those older people. So, what is what is the consequence of having all that negative stereotype projected onto older adults? And then we become, we join the community of older adults and we're carrying that stereotype. And it's a burden for mm -hmm. older people. It's a painful burden for older people. We really saw that a lot with COVID. I think COVID exposed ageism with all of the deaths in the nursing homes in a really painful way. So that is my way of working with it. Other people have different, different, you know, methods and strategies for working with inner parts or stereotypes. Um, I find this really rich and layered and, you know, full of discoveries when you meet the shadow. And in the inner work of age, there are lots of other shadow characters that I write about how to work with, like the doer, the part of us that won't slow down and that is identified with our doing That's and our roles and won't let go of past roles and move into a greater spiritual identity. And, you know, with if we're stuck with the inner ageist, um, if we buy into young is good and old is bad, 
right? Independent is good and dependent is bad. Strong is good and weak is bad. Then what happens as those traits begin to um, shape us? We dislike ourselves. We become uncomfortable with ourselves. We begin to feel shame. And so there are both personal and collective consequences for this. And if we are stuck there, then we're not going to do this larger work of shifting from role to soul. So the inner agist is an obstacle to that, mm-hmm. as all of these internal identities are obstacles to really moving toward who we really are in this stage of life. So you're you're shifting from role to soul, which is the subtitle of your book, is 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 moving shifting from that. I am through what I do to I am in terms of how I am or who I am. Yeah. You say it more eloquently than that. Yeah, shifting from what we do to who we really are. And whatever that is for you, people have different names for that. You know, people can call it spirit or essence or Christ nature or Buddha nature. Or so I borrowed the term role, the term role to soul from Ramdas, because I just thought it just was so perfect for what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. But if we're stuck in our roles, if that's all there is, then we can't expand our awareness and our identity and our purpose in this stage of life. And for me, that's what this stage of life is about. It's about extending our development, our psychological development, our intellectual, our spiritual development. But to be able to do that, we need to be able to let go of the old identities. And if old is bad, that's not going to (laughs) happen. That makes so much sense. My my head is swimming with uh, my own personal examples of yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Just very quickly, I have spent a fair amount of time in assisted living facilities, first with my um, my former husband and then my mother. And because I have white hair, I would come in and people would say, "Oh, are you moving in now? Are you? You know, are you?" And I'd be like, "I'm not one of you. I'm not one of you." Uh, and I and I really have examined that reaction because my fear, of course, is that I will I will live than one of those facilities at some point. So I've become much more open and gracious uh, to that. It's like, oh, they're welcoming me into their home. How nice. <laughs> but yeah, a that's a great example, Catherine, of all the sort of layers of charge mm-hmm. that come with that reaction to, are you one of them? Yeah. Are you going to be needy and dependent and isolated? And all the stuff we think about assisted living. My dad loved assisted living. He had a great experience there. Thank you. Thank you. And so, you know, my sister and I were really able to have him cared for well. And I'm so grateful for that. But most, many people don't feel that way. And mm-hmm. the and part of the attitude is ageist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. Wow. Um, is there anything else that you would want to 
say about your your book as a whole because I've really encouraged people to read this book. It is just absolutely mind changing. <laughs> so, um, um, is there anything um, else that you would like to? You know, there are a lot of books out there about how to age well. Um, there are very few books um, that look at the unconscious process around aging, you know, um, what we call depth psychology and how the unconscious is responding to the circumstances of our age rather than the demographics and the healthcare and money and institutions and all the sort of concrete external stuff. So when we said earlier, aging from the inside out, there are not a lot of books about aging from the inside out. There are some um, books about particular spiritual traditions and how they view aging. But, but there, again, it's not depth psychology. So I tried to write the book in a way that, that acts like a rite of passage for people to become an elder because we don't have a rite of passage, right? We don't have a way to shift. We get a Medicare card and we're called seniors, but that's not an elder. That's not a conscious adult who's really bringing self-awareness to this stage of life. Um, I mean, a senior could be bitter and rigid and black and white thinker. You know, seniors like chronological. Mm -hmm. But what I'm talking about is the developmental changes that are possible with mm -hmm. this stage. And so each chapter is kind of built like um, a step by step across the rite of passage. And each chapter has practices at the end so that you have an experiential component. So you learn both shadow work, let's say it's for illness or retirement um, or activism. And then you also get spiritual practices that are related to that theme. So there's this experiential component to it. And so um, people have been gathering in circles as Gail mentioned to me um, for about a year and a half now. They're free, they're online. Um, there are groups of people who were organized by time zones. So you choose your meeting time and um, they're leaderless. They have rotating facilitators. And then they go through the book together and they do the practices together and they age in community. And there are lots of groups now who have finished the book and don't want to stop because they've built mm -hmm. intimate friendships. So they're going to stay together and, you know, go do something else. So if, if any of our listeners are interested in that, you can send me an email, ConnieZweig at gmail.com. Please put wisdom circle in the subject line and be sure to give me your time zone. I need those two things. Please don't send me a long story because I get hundreds of emails every day. But I will connect you with people in your time zone to read the book together. And um, and I'm, you know, I'm excited about this because I think that it combats the isolation that so many people feel who are older and um, either have lost a partner 
or the partner is sick or, you know, they're single. And so they are building community together around this work. I think it's powerful. Absolutely powerful. I'm just yeah. so delighted. And you, I want to thank you, Connie, too, for being so gracious and so generous with your time and your, oh, your uh, thank what, you. your, what you've learned and being so willing to share that with us. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I mean, you have the same similar intentions, you know, <laughs> to support women to grow and to be in community. Yeah. Very aligned. And I really enjoyed this myself personally. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for your loyalty. Because of you, our numbers are growing all across the country and overseas. And this is a good thing. Still, we need more subscribers and reviews on Apple Play and YouTube. Support women over 70 and let your voice be heard. Help us change the conversation about women aging. Yes. Amen. Thank you so much, Connie.